you know, instead of just putting more information into us, because it's an information-heavy time, uh, with 412 coming up in two weeks, and then also the, the, um, uh, the This Is Church, it's, it's an information overload. It really is. And so the heart this morning is to, for us to share in His Word, um, and I would love to just leave a couple of things, and as we, as we minister to, as God ministers to us through His Word, that we would have a takeaway, but it wouldn't feel like, you know, like, you know, like we're bursting at the seams in terms of our brain, okay? But it would be life-giving. And, uh, and so, this morning, I, I, I felt, a, well, not this morning, during the course of this week, as I had this encounter with God, um, and I was prepping, I, I really felt Him lay a scripture in my heart, which was from Jeremiah 2.13, and so most of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a prophet, um, and he's speaking to, a, to a, like most prophets, <laughs> he's gone to the people of God, and he started to warn them against, you know, the things that they've started to involve themselves with. And, and uh, I don't want to harbor on this too much, because it's a great scripture that comes straight after this, okay? But he says, my, my people, as in, you know, God saying, these are my people, I am their God, okay? My people have done two things, okay? They have forsaken me. The, the fountain of living water, and they have set up or they've hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, unable to contain water. And so God's heart just through the scripture and what he's saying through Jeremiah is just a sense of, man, my, my desire is for you guys to actually come to me, the living water, the fountain of living water. But instead, you've actually started to hew, for you, you started to create these these cisterns, these, they're in, in, and in our case, you know, these things that we, we can try and hold on to something of the presence of God, but we, we're actually too busy to be able to carry on tapping into Him. And, and I felt like He wants to actually just shift our hearts this morning in terms of, I need you to dig wells. I need you to be people who, who will be able to dig wells and to tap into the very life source that is Jesus. Okay. Um, and, and that really is, uh, if you ask me, what are we aiming for this morning? Because I don't want to just throw anything out there. That is, what we, that is what we're aiming for this morning. That as we behold, and that we'll read that in, in Psalm now, what, what David did in a, in a dry and a barren land, okay? But as we behold God for His glory, that there will be something of us being able to look upon Him and dig wells and build something into ourselves that would be lasting. That it wouldn't be like we, we're just trying to catch the last little bit of the last revelation we had or the last quiet time three months ago that He spoke to us, and, and, and it's become rancid, and it's not even useful. It's the, it's the daily manner that He's looking for. Anything outside of that is, is fleeting, all right? Is it making sense? All right. We're going we're gonna to get to the meat of it now, all right? So it says, for my people have commanded, uh, sorry, have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, Broken systems that can hold no water. So we can't be those who are clinging to yesterday's revelation, but we need to be digging wells and coming to Him. Um, I want to take us to a scripture in Psalm next, um, and you guys can turn with me. Um, and it's Psalm 63. <laughs> and this is, this is for me, that's why I didn't want to hold on that one too much, okay? I did feel like uh, the Lord wanted to make a point in that, is that, you know, that we are to be those who are digging wells. But then David gives us a good illustration of this. He says in Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. 
as in a dry land and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. And so something I felt like I wanted to leave us with this morning, just to, and, and the encouragement out of this is like, are you still seeking God? Are we, as a people, are we still seeking God? <laughs> or is one of our broken systems that we arrive at church and hopefully someone says something so I can get through the week? <laughs> hey? Are we still earnestly seeking God? It's good questions to ask ourselves, eh? Okay. And I'm asking myself these same questions, okay? So this isn't, are you guys seeking God? Okay. Are we seeking God? Earnestly. Then the next thing it says is, uh, does your, uh, I want to say, do our souls still thirst for Him? Man, I, I had a song this week, and we, I played it just before we came here, where it's, uh, it's, a, it's a song from Jeremy Riddle, which I, I really back. Uh, I love his worship. He's, he's, I think he's a, he's a pastor and a worship leader, for which me, in me uh, there's just something that uh, is so special about that, where they carry the heart of a shepherd and yet able to minister out of that too. Um, I love it. And, and he's, he sings a song. It's like, my soul thirsts for you, God. And this is, the, this is the, the scripture that he's speaking about. In a dry and a barren land, my soul thirsts for you, Lord. And, and the incredible part about that is like, man, um, his response is that even out of a place of thirst, he turns to God. He says, I looked to you, upon in, uh, I looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and, and glory. And it's just something that David was, you know, did so well. It's like in a moment where there was, stuff was going down. There was much distraction, like Mike was talking about. He was able to just, in a, in a, in a second, just look. I look to you. I behold your glory, God. And the ramification of that is in verse 4, where it says, um, uh, so I will bless you as long as I live. And that, that's the praise aspect. And that's, that's another thing that I felt God wanted to build up into us this morning, is that despite what's happening, that we will be able to stop, to look, to behold, and the, and the outward expression of that would be, God, we praise you. We see you for, we see you, for who you are. You are the almighty God, and, and we can praise you through anything. Um, and so that was, in a sense, how David would, would dig a well, uh, where, there was no, where there was no well. He didn't rely on uh, something that was, you know, um, in a past revelation of some sort, but there, there, there were things that were built into him, but in a moment there was that, Okay, cool, God, I'm, a, I'm in a dry and a barren place. I look to you, I behold, and I praise. And I think those for me are like three very big keys. Uh, are we looking to him? Are we seeking him? Are we beholding him for his glory? And do we praise him? Easier said than done, eh? <laughs> All right. So I want to switch across to John, and this is where we're going to focus this morning. It's in John 4. Um, I'll give you some time to, to turn there. If you're not sure where that is, I'm, I'm just making sure that there, and there are some seasoned guys amongst us, but there are also those who maybe have never opened a Bible, and that's also cool. <laughs> it's lovely to have you with us if you, if you haven't. So it's, one, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's one of the Gospels. All right. <clears throat> so we're going to read from verse... So it's John 4, and we can go from verse 4. All right, and this is, this is the, the, 
the account of the woman at the well. And so now, when we read this, I think there's, there's something in us that we could probably look at this and go, sure, you know, it was incredible for that woman. <laughs> and uh, what I'm asking us to do this morning is actually take ourselves, like, like I sat in my quiet time this week, and I, and I actually almost felt like the Lord starting to put emotions in me uh, as I put myself in her shoes and start to even remember the first time that God encountered me and then made himself known to me, revealed himself to me. And I, t- I can tell you right now, it's like all the wrestles, even the conversation back and forth, you start to see God in his heart. Um, and so this morning, as we read this, I- I'm trusting that actually there would be something of a realness in terms of you putting yourself in us, putting ourselves in her shoes um, and allow God to bring those things to the surface again. You know, maybe things that are, in a sense, dormant, things that you've forgotten about. That first time that you encountered Him, that first time that He met you, the first time He called you. Um, and allow the, the love of God to actually just work this into us this morning. Is that cool? Right, so from verse 4. Okay, and we're not going to read through for the sake of reading through. We're going we're gonna to stop as we go. It says... And he had to pass through Samaria. All right. I love how he says, and he had to pass through Samaria. There's a, there's a, a Greek word there that I'm not going to touch on because I don't even know how to say it. Um, but basically it means that there, it was a divine appointment. He had to. He didn't think it was a great idea. Actually, even his disciples said, like, why would we go that way? You know, It wasn't custom of the day. They would rather cross the Jordan than go through Samaria as Jews. So it says, we had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And I love the fact that Jesus, God, (laughs) you know, makes himself man. The fact that it says he was wearied from his travels. I mean, it's like in every way relatable to us in terms of, you know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't supernaturally, uh, you know, above getting um, tired. There was a journey that he took place. He, he actually reached um, and he got tired. I love the fact that it mentions that. And it says, you know, it was about the 12th hour and we'll, we'll touch on that just now. But it says, uh, sorry, the 12th hour, the 6th hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... I'm going to repeat that. If you knew the gift of God and who, is, who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? I love it. It's like the Lord comes with, and maybe she's still oblivious at this stage, but it's like the Lord comes with a, an eternal uh, solution and, we come, and how, how much are we like that? We come with our, you know, practical problems of, of the here and now. It's like, you know, here's living water. It's eternal life. That's the gift of God. And we start speaking about like, well, where's your rope and where's your bucket? Now you're going to get that out, you know. It's incredible to, to just, um, yeah, just ponder on these things. Eh? 
So sister, uh, the woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw the water with, and the well is deep. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave, he gave us the well and drank from it himself, himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. It's like the first time that she actually, in a sense, it's like becomes obtainable, you know, in a conversation. Or it's like the first time I see, wow, this, you know, he's talking about something here that could, uh, it means that I don't have to keep coming back here. And, and we'll touch on this now, but oh, it's sending my page. Sorry. Um, and it's the first time that she says, says that. You know, the woman said, So give me this water so that, I don't have, so that I will not be thirsty and I don't have to come here to draw water. And it's important to, to realize you know, that this woman, um, as we'll see now in the following scriptures, you know, it says that she came, she came at noon. She came at, and why do we think that is? I mean, that's the heat of the day. The heat of the day to come and draw water. It's not because of that time of day that it ran out. You know, I think it was the, first of all, the type of woman that she was, you know, Scripture speaks about actually that uh, she wasn't one that was very faithful um, to her husband. She was one that actually was pretty broken. And uh, it's important to realize this, that as I say, as we start to put ourselves in, in her shoes here, as, we, as Jesus is starting to reach in even to this lady's situation, this divine appointment where he goes and finds her, that it's important to realize that she wasn't the most gifted, the most clean, squeaky clean person. This was probably one of the most broken people, uh, and yet Jesus is reaching. So the fact that she would probably go at 12 o'clock means that actually she was trying to avoid being seen by others for the sake of worth, um, that there was probably something that was like, no, I don't want to... You know, I know that actually if I go at the normal time that all the rest of the ladies go or the rest of the people, I'm just going to get tuned because, well, my life's not the greatest picture of faithfulness before our God. And, um, and I, yeah, it's just, uh, something I wanted to point out there. And it says there, where are we? Oh, uh, yeah. So, so she responds, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have... A, and I don't have to come here to draw water. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. <laughs> the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, in the place where people ought, uh, is where people ought to worship. And so all of a sudden, there's a little bit more of a kickback. Okay, cool. Now you've just told me something that uh, no one knows. <laughs> so I perceive that you're a prophet. Okay, prophets are not, in, in our day and age, it's not, a un, you know, it's not something that's uncommon. So you've told me what, I, what not me, many people know. But now there's all of a sudden, you know, a kick, he goes a step further and says, no, what you've said is true. You've got your five husbands. Like, takes it a whole other step. And there, there, in a sense, is another kick from the, from the flesh. And it turns to almost scriptural. You know, you guys say. <laughs> so even relating this into our sense, you know, it's like how many times do we, do we get stuck in the, 
the broken cistern of what we find important in God or important in church. Um, and actually, we, we're not able to come to the Father. And it's something that we'll pick up on now, come to Jesus with it. And, and it becomes the very walls that we put up around ourselves. She says, you know, um, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, in the place where people ought, is where people ought to worship, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, and, and Jesus obviously speaking about himself coming from from our, our Savior, Jesus is a Jew. And, um, and then he says, um, salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And even this morning as I consider, you know, the fact that we don't have words in the board, uh, that, that <laughs> nothing's worked in terms of our systems or systems, however you want to put it. Um, and, and then the, I feel like the Lord wants to say to us this morning, okay, cool, will you worship me in spirit and in truth? Which means you don't need that stuff. It helps, it facilitates, we'll still do it going forward, okay? But there is a sense of, uh, do we wait for those things? Or are you actually able, you know, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. I often say, you know, in terms of the chairs and, and how we set up things, uh, I've looked, I actually did a little bit of a study recently behind pews. <laughs> um, I've told the story, which I won't go into now, about, about pews. But, you know, where did seats originate from? And how, well, how did they used to do things in the temple? How did God want things done? It's good questions to ask ourselves. Uh, is it for the comfort of us? Um, is it something to hide behind? When last did you worship from behind the chair? Are you able to worship from behind the chair? <laughs> so sorry this morning, so I uh, saw a picture whilst we were praying of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you saw a picture that as, as we came to God and we started to dance before Him, there was something of even the very clothes we were wearing uh, turned from, from our colors hey, to, to white, like it was, there was a sense of cleansing. And I, I do feel like actually just in line with this this morning, it's like, what is God saying? What's God saying to us? What does our worship look like? <laughs> How do we come before Him? Are we worshiping Him in spirit and truth? Okay. Because <laughs> these things are going to help us dig wells. I'm not saying this to, to point to anything else other than the fact that Jesus wants us to be those who are constantly tapped into the river of life, into the wellspring of life. Um, that, is the, that is the purpose of this, is, is that we, we're not those who are relying on things to be able to come and worship Him, but there's a sense of God in us, the hope of glory. Okay. Let's continue. So she says, um, verse 22, I think it is, eh? Oh, 25, sorry. Okay, let's take one step back, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. So it's in a sense, you know, she starts to 
the, the, um, the thing about, you know, you guys worshiping on a different mountain, that gets thrown out the window. <laughs> and now I start to quote scripture. You know, it's like our last line of defense. Uh, I know that there's a Christ coming. I know the Messiah is coming whose name is Christ. You know, and when he comes, he'll reveal all things. And I think this is probably one of the most powerful scriptures uh, as Jesus reveals himself. He says, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am he. Can you imagine that moment? Imagine yourself sitting there in that moment. And you're literally at the, there's a guy that's come across. You didn't know he was the Messiah. And all of a sudden he's sitting before you and he's going, you know, this, you know how you interact with people, the fact that you're coming here at this time of day, I've come for you. I'm reaching, I'm reaching you. I'm reaching into your situation. You may think that you're beyond it, but I'm reaching towards you now. I've made the trip here. I'm weary, and I'm sitting here before you, and I'm going, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you worship. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how broken you are. But I'm the one true living God, and I'm reaching into your situation. I need you to see this now. And as she throws this, you know, she gives him, I would say, probably the best intro ever. You know, when Christ comes, he'll explain it. And Christ explains it right there and then. I am he. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. And, and I, I almost want to say to us this, this morning, it's like, man, when that, when that happened in your life, is that in a sense still happening in our lives? Or was it for once? I know the Lord reveals Himself, and, and to that we, we actually, like we'll read now, we see who we really are, and there's a sense of repentance and a turning towards, towards Him, away from and towards Him. But I think that's a good thing for us, for us to keep close to us, the, the fact that I am He. So when you read a scripture, I am He. <laughs> I gave you this. This isn't just a, you know, a handbook. In a sense, it is, but it's actually the manual for our life. We always said, if a microwave comes with a manual, humans come with the Bible. This is the way we live. There is no other way. There is no other way. And we'll keep searching, and that's what we, that's what we see just now when we go. All right. So it's also important to, to uh, pick up there that this is the first time that he reveals himself as the Messiah. That's incredible. You know, he made mention of it, I think, to, to Nicodemus. Um, but this is the first time that he actually has, uh, I think it's in the New Testament where it's the longest conversation, actually, that the Lord has had one-on-one -on -one with someone. And then he reveals himself for the first time. <laughs> That's a, that is huge. That is huge. And I love the fact that he reveals himself to, to her. I mean, he breaks all bounds here. A Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman <laughs> at a well, in the middle of the day, ask her for a drink. Ah, there's so much significance in it. And it's just, it's just like, you know, our clean-cut picture in a sense of Jesus. Here he comes and just smashes all those things. And just goes, no, 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 I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care who it is. <laughs> Beautiful, huh? And we won't, we won't go on it, on, on it for two more, but it says, um, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to say that it's, it's not just her. It's for us. That's what he's done for us. It's important to realize that. Um, as I was reading this, and this is where the main encounter was, it, when I was sitting there, I was uh, having this quiet time. I was like, wow, God, this is, this is something that you did for me. <laughs> I used to drive, um, my, my cousin's here, we used to drive, and he, I don't even know if he knows this, 
But we used to live on a farm like just down the road from one another. We got to drive through those trees, mamre trees. And I remember nights. I remember nights crying out to God because I knew it was real. <laughs> I grew up in a Christian home. We had the, the setting, you know, it was, uh, it was something that was built into me from an early age, but I'd never made the choice. I remember crying out, full on, like fully blown on drugs, um, drunk out of my mind. I didn't even know at this, at, at this stage. And, I, and I'm looking at this tunnel of trees and I'm barely staying awake. And I remember feeling so empty after searching for so much. So empty. And then, I, and then I have this realization, it's like, you know, for, for the Samaritan woman, it might have been five husbands. But for me, I can tell you right now, he pulled me out of stuff that, that I'm also not proud of. And maybe you're sitting here, and this is the incredible thing about God, is maybe you're sitting here and you've had an okay life. You somehow managed to skip all the, all the chamors. <laughs> and, uh, and you've grown up in the church, and I want to say that's as dangerous, <laughs> in a sense, because... Uh, you know, th those who have been forgiven much, love much, but we all need forgiveness. <laughs> we all need forgiveness, and there's a sense of him reaching this morning and going, I don't even care if you're the squeaky clean Christian, I am he, and you need me, and he's wanting to reveal himself afresh. Is this making sense? Okay, good, all right. So, many Samaritans, this is what I love about it, and this is why I think Jesus chose her. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. That was the line that she used. I don't know if you guys have watched The Chosen where Jesus encounters her at the well. We watched it last night. And there's the sense of her kind of running away going, you know, running past the disciples. And the disciples are caught up on why Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman and why he hasn't eaten. And uh, they've just gone to get food. I think Jesus just sent them there to get them out of the way, if I'm dead honest. And... Uh, <laughs> And then he runs past them and goes, you know, he told me all that I ever did. And this is the incredible thing. As she beheld, as she looked to, and she realized this is the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. There was a sense of beholding. And now the ramification is like, well, I, I praise him. Everything in me praises him. So we don't have to then wait for encounter conferences or for 12 conferences. There's something in us that as we tap into the fountain of living water, it starts to burst within us. And there's a, you can't keep it back. You can't keep it back. I, I can only speak of what God has done in my life. I don't want to speak about what happened in my life. I want to spend not even 30 seconds speaking about drugs and what he saved me out of. But I, I, could, spend, I could speak all day on the goodness of God. <laughs> Because that, that, well, the only reason I, we look back in life is to go, who do I need to forgive? And Lord, is there something I still need to repent of? But other than that, we're going forward. <laughs> and so what's God doing now? All right. And so I love this. As many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him, stay with me. Do you realize how, do you realize how like, foreign that is? Seriously, it's like, you know, you've got, uh, I don't know if we know just how different the Jews and Samaritans were in terms of this, you know. There was ridicule about, you know, we need, we're going to worship God on this mountain, but you say on that mountain. And Samaritans are pointing at the Jews saying, you only uphold five books of the, you know, the Torah. And, and there's a lot more. There's the prophets as well. And, and there's just all these, all these things that are holding them against, you know. And, and, and God just comes in and goes, I don't, I don't care very little for this. <laughs> I'm looking for people who worship me in spirit and in truth. 
will you be some of those? You know, and as Jesus then goes and encounters these people in the house, um, he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. <laughs> for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that indeed the Savior, he is the Savior of the world. <laughs> I love that. It's like, you know, in the sense that sometimes the Lord will use people, but ultimately the Lord still reveals himself. And I, I love the fact, you know, that, that we have some of a part to play in it, but that ultimately as people really start to lean into God and he takes the will, that he takes responsibility from them, he reveals himself. Because in ourselves, we won't be able to keep people. <laughs> we won't be able to keep people. It's only the goodness of God, what he's done for them. You can't die on their behalf. <laughs> you cannot die on, the, on people's behalf. They need, to, they need to actually hear God. He needs to re be revealed to them, and they need to turn. All right. And so this morning, I, uh, actually, I recognize there may be some of us, and I, I want to leave two challenges with us. Uh, or not even a challenge. I want to say for those who maybe just actually have not, don't have a relationship with God. You know, and we can shoot over straight across to John 3.16 there, where it says, and this was God's purpose, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in, the, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus didn't put himself in, in front of the Samaritan woman to condemn her to tell her all the things that she had done wrong. He saw that actually if she continued the way that she was going, that there was a perishing that was happening. That, that uh, you know, for, for those of us, I mean, Anton and myself and a couple others that serve, there's, you know, the, the problem with neoprene at a stage is it starts to perish. And then it just rips. And I think it's an incredible word for us just in terms of Perish the thing that's perishing, and we don't know when that, that thing is actually just going to be gone completely. And God so loved the world that actually He sent Jesus. This is the gospel. This is why He came. He sent Jesus so that actually He saw that we were crippled by the fall, and His ultimate plan always was to be able to save God. And we saw that in this church this week, and then through the vehicle of the church that He would do that. But his heart is for each one of us that we wouldn't perish, but that we would inherit eternal life. And that is the gift of God. What Jesus said further on to the lady was, if you only knew. <laughs> so if you here this morning and you maybe haven't uh, committed your life to God, I want to I ask, maybe we can stand and Bobby can actually come to the front and we're going to end with this. You don't have to turn with me here, but this week we looked at, um, 
in Revelation as to as the, the seven churches and five out of them weren't doing weren't doing too well in, in the this is church series and and uh, in Revelation as I said you don't have to read with me now but it is in the Bible I promise he says he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Christ Jesus even to all that he saw blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. The time is near. <laughs> and he speaks to the church of Laodicea, and uh, he says to them, those whom I love, I, repro I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And he's speaking to a church there that is, in a sense, lukewarm. He says, you neither hot nor cold. And the word he uses there is actually he, he expels, he, he vomits out because you can't take the taste of it. And I feel like this morning a challenge I want to leave with us is in our own hearts. <laughs> and as we've gone through the account of actually the Samaritan woman this morning, what does it look like for us knowing that the time is near? time is near and actually God, I feel like God is, is drawing us this morning into in, in, in a different sense you know that there's, there's there's more for us to take hold of that there's actually we, we to be those people who would dig a well that there would be that living water coming from within and so the challenge I want to leave with us this morning is that is the is the fact that the time is drawing near what will we do will we be those who remain uh, come back to our systems our systems and our things of ways of doing things, relying on them as a means to God, to get to God, or will we be those who are worshippers in spirit and truth, who are digging wells, that there's a, there's the fountain of living water, and we're constantly tapping into that. Does it make sense? Cool. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'd love if we can just go into a time of worship. I think this morning, 